It is 18 hours, 31 seconds, East African time. Time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. Hamjambo nakaribuni, hello and welcome. I'd like to start with a personal anecdote. Late last year, I was invited to the 22nd Carthage International Theatre Festival. Every day of the week-long event offered a wide selection of plays for participants to see. A production from Senegal took on a theme of great import to all in Africa. Who is most responsible for the continent's ills? The questioning went something like this. Is it the best educated and most knowledgeable who have reneged on their responsibility to safeguard national values? As elections approach in Kenya, this topic is particularly relevant to us. According to our constitution, our national values include patriotism, national unity, sharing and devolution of power, the rule of law, democracy and participation of the people, human dignity, equity, social justice, inclusiveness, equality, human rights, non-discrimination and protection of the marginalized good governance, integrity, transparency and accountability, and sustainable development. Well, you know the form by now. I have a guest who remains a mystery for some time so that we favor ideas over individuals. In this edition, we will discuss the role of the enlightened citizen in our society. And to ignite our exchange, we'll hear some responses to the question, what are your views on your civic role? Una maoni gani juu ya jukumu lako kama mwananchi? Maandamano kwa wakenya kwetu na kwao imekuwa ni kama kawaida. Wanaweza kuyachukulia tu hivi. We need a strong system of governance, checks and balances all the time because most of these are political statements. Mtu anatem make statement in the heat of the moment lakini haezi actually kuactualize kwa ground but those promises need to be documented in a way that at the end of that period these people can be held accountable by the citizens from the MCS MPs the governors even the presidents from today henceforth eh, we are not going to be fooled by politicians we know our rights a common mwananchi hatuwezi ever build we have nothing to do with that it is now up to us and God. People make promises all the time. Siasa inaitwaga ni siasa duni na siasa mbaya, lakini maisha lazima endelee. If your manifestos were 3 4, you are supposed to fulfill it fully. If not so, uh, we have the right as citizen eh, to riot and to impeach you, whether you are the president or what, so long as you stood and confused the Kenyans. Lakini naonelea kwenda kotini koti naweza kutufanyia uamuzi wakati, wa maana, na wataona ni jambo ambalo wa Kenya wanafuatilia na hivyo, wanaweza kututimizia. Whether it's the MP or the area MCA, they can put him to test through the various committees. And in case that person... Well, that was a sort of uh, sandwich uh, of, of ideas uh, across the sort of social segment. But, Mwanainchi Wenzangu, I'd like to make you the spokesman, as I say, for the 
enlightened and well-educated few do, first of all, respond to what you've just heard and suggest with your knowledge and education what you think the role of the citizen might be? You know, I think the role of the citizen is one where we are supposed to hold our elected officials 100%, actually 200% accountable for what it is they say they're going to to accomplish or do. Because right now, we're in a space where talk is cheap. Everybody's saying they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And we know, we've been there, we've done, we've, we've, we've gotten the t-shirt. We understand that at the end of the day, there's always a frenzied rush to win our, to be in our good graces leading up to the elections and thereafter it's business as usual for another five years. So what I like just listening to to the voices of Wanainchi is that many of them are actually saying yeah we need to vote and we owe it to ourselves to bring the right leaders on board. I, I did hear a few saying well you know Maybe I don't need to vote. This is not my domain. And this is something that was uh, a problem for many, many uh, election cycles. And I'm happy to hear ultimately that people are saying, you know what, we're going to go and vote. And once we've voted and we've elected X, Y, Z person into power, if they do not deliver, we shall recall them by any means necessary. And actually, recall is a constitutional um, uh, uh, freedom that, that, that the citizen is given in terms of being able to say, look, you have not done what you set out to do, what you promised you were going to to do and for that reason we are recalling you we're impeaching you we're removing you from your position of power I take you back to the play which I saw in Tunis uh, done by a group of young people and they were concerned by sort of naming names and blaming and they were all going mentioning the great stalwarts of African history the Nkurumas the Sankaras uh, and these were their heroes but they were saying that they were let down ultimately by not getting the backing of the privileged in society who saw it more their duty to sort of lay up treasures on earth than to serve the service tradition, which we'll unpack later. What are your views on that? You know, I think the privileged or elite or highly educated have always been placed on some kind of pedestals as uh, as pedestal as the holders of values or holders of of uh, of moral rectitude and so on and so forth. But I think what has happened in at least in my opinion is that the these enlightened classes have spent a lot of time seeking private solutions to public problems. And I do agree with with the with the young actors uh, that ultimately there is blame that that rests right there at the at the feet of those who claim to be enlightened and who are actually enlightened. I mean when I think about things like even our our public school system. Most of us grew up going to public schools. The issue of going to private schools never arose. And today, vast majority of our children, in fact, we wear it as a badge of honor that our kids go to private schools. And um, we we have allowed our public school system to erode so completely. I could say the same about health and other public services. So I think those enlightened, at least in the Kenya context, have almost taken their enlightenment to mean that it's a leg up away from the lumpen and from the poverty and from the from the from the from the dusty healed you know um, in Kenya the, the the lower classes and create a kind of a conclave a vanguard a space for themselves where no poverty or the stench of it or otherwise can reach them and this is where I believe uh, that we have failed
Nainji Wenzangu, let's let's topicalize something. There's a there's a, a great new expressway um, zooming through our streets, and people are already complaining about poor drainage systems. There's water coming from the top to the bottom. It's very likely that people will sort of miss a ramp and come down. And I ask myself whether this elite, uh, and I dare say, if that's the word to be used, I belong to it myself by virtue of my education and my privilege. I'm asking, this is a question that speaks to me individually. I'm not sort of um, targeting you in any way. If we've sent our children abroad to come back and be nuclear physicists, if they're capable of being electrical engineers, why is it that we do not have the wherewithal, forget politicians, to have knowledgeable people build bridges that don't collapse when the rains come, uh, build, uh, institute modes of moving traffic up and down that don't end in incessant traffic jams. Kenya is always posited as being one of the most highly educated countries on the continent in terms of you know, the upper tier of, it, of its citizens. But um, there's lots that they've not seen to or rectified. You know, it's great that you have, you know, really uh, gotten into the private solutions to public problems. You know, we think that the the challenge of getting from Waiaki Way to JKIA on time to, to catch our flight to whichever vacation or business meeting or whatever it is, is is can be resolved by building a highly, highly uh, expensive expressway where the drainage, and I saw some photos and I thought, look, I failed most of my sciences and I would never have been an engineer, but I'd do a better job of that drainage system. I saw it, you know, and I said, is this what happens? This is the private solutions. We are, we are, we are zooming, paying God knows how much to get to JKIA as quickly as possible and not understanding that the issue here is actually better urban planning. But um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, go uh, ahead. Do forgive me. Yes. Where are our brains in all this? Maybe I'm not posing my question adequately. I'm saying, Kunawajiwaji, <laughs> there are people on the ground who know what's happening. Every other uh, successful African wants their child to be an engineer, a lawyer, and a doctor, a surgeon. So all these people on the ground, why don't, I'm sorry, maybe I'm sort of disparate association of ideas. Why don't we have a sort of medical system where every other doctor who comes is like a Cuban doctor? We actually have to import doctors from Cuba when we've got some kind of medical malaise. So what's happened to our, what's happening to our, uh, our privileged intelligentsia? Well, um, as I was saying, how many, or I will even ask, how many of our highly educated engineers educated in Kenya or educated abroad were asked to input in any way, shape or form into the construction of the expressway. I think the thing is, when you see massive infrastructure like we see in Kenya today, a lot of it has less to do with exploiting the talent of the enlightened, of the educated, and more to do with how can we be extremely successful tenderpreneurs so that we build something, a road going nowhere, an expressway that services only the few, and at the end of the day, a whole load of cash gets into one or two or three pockets and not actually... Um, serving the, the population of, in this case, the city of, of Nairobi. So the thing is, we can be educated all we like and enlightened all we like, but if we do not participate, if we don't engage, if we are not called upon, 
to participate in some of these more um, uh, uh, supposedly uh, decongesting or helpful infrastructure projects. For example, even the SGR, you have not even spoken about that. You know, who was involved in thinking or planning around why we needed a railway track to nowhere? You know, so I agree. Well, with that's you. not that's not quite true because the 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 train went somewhere. Maybe there's an argument around how fast it got from A to B, but I meet people who are uh, wonderfully uh, happy with uh, comfort that, and the reduced time of travel brought about by the SGR. Uh, and but maybe again, when we come back after our break. Uh, I we don't have the time to unpack individual instances like that, and I don't have the economic brain. But I just I'm s- still asking, where are our brightest and best leading us, if anywhere? But we'll take a break. Well, that nifty beat brings us back to part two of our conversation. When Angel Wenzango, I'll ask you the question, would you be prepared to serve? What is your understanding of the service tradition? Look, um, my fellow Kenyan, um, I would say, just to, to, to reflect on what you'd said earlier, our best and brightest are neither involved nor engaged in the work of nation building uh, for various reasons and without going into the macro microeconomics of it or the or the dynamics of, of corruption and kickbacks and so on. I understand we don't have the time to do that. But I would say public service is now something I feel that is not a priority for the enlightened. Um, I hear from, from, from people I know that, you know, you'll be sat around somewhere and everyone will say, oh, this is the problem with Kenya. We're struggling with this. Our road system transport system doesn't work, uh, fuel is high, electricity is unaffordable, healthcare is exorbitant, etc., etc. And they will go on to say, and this is what we should do or could do. So this is now the experts you're talking about, uh, my fellow Kenyan. You know, uh, they will say, oh, we could do this, we could work on this. And there's a whole load of sol- solutions, actually, oftentimes extremely brilliant solutions. But at the end of the day, when asked, so um, would you be willing to serve publicly, either in elected position or uh, as a civil servant. Everyone says, of course not. And they go back into their private sector enclaves and, and go about the business of surviving. Very few of us have actually understood that part of our responsibility is that of service. And it's not even just the, 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 the domain of the enlightened. I think as Kenyans, we have to understand that service is something that we are called to do, but it's something that people tend to shy away from. Is it because of Siasambaya? Is it because I don't know what it is? But we have so many complaints and so many solutions and very few willing to step up and say, look, I'm going to go the whole hog. Like I spoke with somebody um, earlier on today who is one of the 47 independent presidential candidates. And I said, you know, 
Good for you. Good for you that instead of sitting like the rest of us and complaining about what's not going right in Kenya, you're actually deciding to do something by offering yourself in service, up, you know, as a potential, you know, president of this great republic. I take you back on one thing, and that is the fact that becoming a politician and a successful one is the go-to job description in this country at present. We're not going. We're not going back into a cocoon. Uh, all my friends, uh, I, I count myself included, the uh, the aspirational value is to get rich. And one of the benefits of uh, infiltrating a corrupt society is to get rich quickly. So those of my friends and relatives and acquaintances who have made it, the topic of how did you make it becomes a very sensitive one. Because if you sort of go ministerial payslip versus the mansion that's on the hill in my ancestral village, the two don't tie up. So why aren't the intelligentsia calling themselves out? Why aren't the elite sort of saying, oh gosh, I've worked out how you made your millions? Off with your head. Well, because uh, off with your head would often mean off with my head, potentially, because to what extent we are uh, beneficiaries of a trickle-down system of corruption where through a brother-in-law or a friend or a neighbor or a colleague or somebody you you go to church with or mosque with, uh, you have access to a particular subtender of uh, some contract somewhere that will yield millions and millions in, 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 in sheer profit. And so I think oftentimes, you know, the elite, the enlightened, the middle classes, much as I will say many of them shy away from overt public service or offering themselves up for political office and and running, uh, you know, for some office here or there. Many of them don't know whether they're actually not, in fact, beneficiaries somehow, one way or another, even inadvertently. And you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. So why call out your neighbor, your friend? You grew up together. You were in high school together. Heck, you flew out of the country together on a plane to to your to your educated uh, uh, bliss wherever in the States or Canada. And how are you coming back now to start calling people out and saying, where did you get your wealth? We have to account for things. That is highly unpopular. It's not very sexy if you think about it. Um, and, and so the elite tends to, to to just sit back and say, gosh, I hope so-and-so doesn't get caught. You know, I hope, I hope, you know, I hope the money they're making is kosher. But deep down inside, we have a conscience. There's a niggling feeling that all is not well in paradise. Well, they, we go back to talking about one ancient Wenzang with the African Renaissance, this idea. I'm still into this, which came first, the chicken or the egg. If indeed we as a country are going to progress. And if in so many, it's less than 100 days' time, we're going to go to the polls to elect our new leaders. Now, the sort of bar room, or let's, let's leave the bar alone and go to the restaurant and have a meal. The restaurant comment is that all our politicians are lousy. We could do with better politicians. Where are they meant to come from? Which, which echelon? So we've just said, okay, I'm standing to gain. I've got my PhD in nuclear physics. Uh, down here, there are people, uh, the, the, uh, what's the minimum wage now, according to uh, the Paris presidential decree, 15,000 bob a month, and somebody uh, somewhere saying, oh, I'm worth um, 12 billion shillings, but that doesn't make me rich. I find that risible. Hmm. 
you know, it's funny when you talk about 12 billion shillings, that doesn't make me rich. There was a time that if uh, people were caught in some kind of corruption scandal where they received a bribe of 250,000 shillings or 1.5 million shillings or, God forbid, 5 million shillings, this was, you know, we were clutching our pearls and hoping that the person gets the maximum sentence and, and off with off with the head, off with your head kind of thing. And now we are so desensitized because the zeros that have been added are so many that even if um, I today received a bribe of 10 million shillings, the only thing I'll be told is, Allah, 10 million only. What's wrong with you? Why not 100 million? Why not a billion? So we have been desensitized. I think the inertia of corruption and the, and the and then the subsequent whiplash makes it that we don't even seem to understand the figures that we bandy about anymore. But back to what you were saying, I don't think that all our politicians are crooks. Many of them are, and many of them have seen it as a way to access economic power. But, you know, we still will sit and stand in, judge, stand in judgment and say, oh, all, all politicians are corrupt. Yes, why haven't we given ourselves up? Why haven't we said we're going to run for MCA? Actually, it's not even about governor, senator, member of parliament, president. It's our neighborhoods where we live. How, when was the last time I thought to myself, hey, I'm going to run for MCA of such and such ward? Never. I'm going to go back to, again to this idea of national values and expressed in our constitution. Now, they're cultural values. Again, a very, very sensitive area for, for Kenyans uh, that I speak to on a daily basis. And this idea that in other cultures, let's talk Southeast Asia, the, this sort of um, Japanese guy, he was the head of a, uh, a ferrying company and, and the boat sank. And the next day, he's either you know, leapt from the 50th floor. He takes the responsibility upon himself. Or whether he's fingered with some kind of corruption, he immediately resigns. But our mantra is, I will not resign. I think I've heard I will not resign at least 100 <laughs> times in the last six months. So, and then there's another layer. There's another layer, one ancient Wenzangu, of confusion. And this is the hypersensitive one because we actually call ourselves a Christian country. So we are people of faith. All our presidents have made it a point of going to church every Sunday. All our presidents, uh, their miracles being performed when last I heard of them, but by some of them. So these two things, we believe, we're educated, but we're still taking our country to the dogs. Unfair question to you, but I, I asked myself the question. I write plays about it. Maybe I, my thing is to sort of, if I'm going to see one of my plays one day. You know, we're not uh, the fall on your sword type of uh, of of, of uh, population. I don't think, at least not the elite, because it's always somebody else's fault. You are here because of so and so's this and corruption for X number of years, and not yet to huru, and we have been struggling for sixty years. The litany of woes are endless, and as a result, we have broadly become less accountable for the things that we find ourselves involved in. And just to say, yes, it looks like a Christian nation, but I'm sure if we had a Muslim president, he or she 
would be equally adherent and we would see them uh, attend a mosque every Friday and fast and so on. So I would say we are generally a broadly faithful and religious um, uh, population, whether it's Christian or Hindu or Muslim and so on and so forth. And so there is a, a definite contradiction because Monday to Saturday, or if you're Muslim, you know, uh, Saturday to, to Thursday, you are you are you are very, very uh, normal and regular and taking your kickbacks and engaging in all manner of nefarious activities. And then come the one day that you go to church or mosque or, or temple, then you're really, really adherent and you're remorseful and you're almost, you know, self-flagellating. And then boom, you've gotten your absolution and you're ready to go again. And that's how we live in this space of permanent cognitive dissonance, in my opinion, as Kenyans, where, you know, God will forgive you uh, so long as you're, 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 you're really repenting in that moment. And then the rest of the time, go, go ye therefore and sin some more and come back the following Sunday. But, you know, it also says, you know, for, for um, if I recall somewhere in the, in the Bible, it says God shall not be mocked, you know. So at some point, we're also playing Russian roulette with the Almighty and hoping that absolution will always be ours. I want to draw you on the topic again of leadership and the headlines and the elections, which is the overriding theme of our, our particular series. This idea that now, in terms of leadership and the idea of people who are intelligent enough to lead, because we're not going to be, you have to have a certain academic qualification. You have to have a degree in order to, 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 to even envision being president of this country. So now we're in a position where we're having... Um, choice of deputy president. Again, we're an intelligent nation, and now we've had people who were saying, okay, if, okay, I was with you yesterday, uh, today I'm shifting camp, I'm going somewhere else, and the numbers game has changed. Uh, you can't interview me for the presidency because I've been here and I've been uh, vice president 50 times before. Uh, whoever's interviewing me is younger. I was, I was your, ahead of you in school. You're my junior. You can't interview me. Again, look at the intelligentsia. Look at the elite. Look at the educated. What do you make of those headlines on a daily basis? I think we have allowed uh, the political class to weaponize ethnicity and therefore numbers, the so-called or famous or infamous tyranny of numbers type of situation where people horse trade with us and suddenly you're lumped by virtue of your name and no one applied to be born in any particular you know, ethnic group, that you're suddenly numbers that, that somebody brings with them to the table. There's also ageism. You know, I cannot be interviewed by somebody younger. It's disdaining the youth or somebody who is, who is, who is less. Uh, less accomplished than I am and so on and so forth. And, you know, back to the very uh, initial part of this show where you're listening to people who say, eh, we are not even going to bother to vote. I almost also understand where they're coming from because it looks like a lot of this democracy is negotiated in back rooms. It has absolutely nothing to do with you and me. But we will wake up five in the morning as Mapemba on the 9th of August to go and vote. And yet some of these decisions around who will win and who will not win, who was nominated, who has the their nomination papers, who's going to get where they need to get, have already been decided and we're just going there to Kueka Kidole and to rubber stamp decisions. So there's a, there's a sense of hopelessness, a kind of fait accompli and I understand this is why many people say, ah, we're not even going to waste our time. That's a public holiday, we're going to chill and we'll wait to see who'll win because that was not up to us in the first instance and that's what you're seeing, the build the build up to by, you know, even these uh, deputy interviews or selection processes and so on and next week there'll be complete chaos in, in 
in Kenya once we understand who is the deputy, who's bringing the numbers, who's winning, who's losing, and the punditry will continue. And then come 9th of August, vast majority of the intelligentsia that you refer to, including us, might actually say, hey, today, me, I'm just staying home. I'm not going out. I'm not going to vote. You know, there'll be goons. There'll be trouble. Ah, let me Netflix and chill. And in any case, even if so-and-so wins or so-and-so wins or so-and-so wins, my kids are in private school. I own my own car. I'm almost done with my mortgage. We can evacuate ourselves out of Kenya if things get really thick. And we can afford our holidays to the coast once or twice a year. It's okay. It may be messed up. It's okay. And hey, if I'm late for my plane, I can still afford the tolls to take the expressway to JKIA. Onwards. I, uh, my beloved um, elite, <laughs> the intelligentsia, uh, I want to uh, credit them with this idea of wealth creation. Why? I'm sorry to, to hit you with all these questions, but it seems as if you're thinking deep thoughts in your spare time. Why do you think that we haven't used the philanthropic? So, for example, the South Asian community with their wealth, they could be everything, but they would do feeding programs uh, on a daily basis, feed, you know, sort of truck uh, food all the way to Machakos, the environs, and feed a whole community. So we've said we've made the money. Why don't we invest that money, even if we made it ethnic and tribal? Why aren't there hospitals and things springing up as the, uh, the work of the populace's elite? You know, I think our philanthropic approach to things in Kenya and and in this uh, at this moment, I'd like to bring in the diaspora because, you know, since I think 2004, whatever we have, they have remitted more than 4.3. Is it trillion to Kenya? you know, since since about 2004. So our philanthropy is very localized. It's very intimate. It's very familial and extended family. It's not it's not broad. You know, let's 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 provide food for an entire an entire province. But it's let's make sure that there's a borehole, that there's a classroom, that kids who need to go to school have school fees. There's that auntie over there or that uncle over there who's ailing. Let's changa pesa and make sure that he or she gets a treatment that they need to get. So I feel like our philanthropy has been very intimate made very very localized and um and i think generally how i understand um philanthropy is that it is a byproduct of of a society that has a level of stability, a socioeconomic stability where beyond that now it is saying we're going to engage in acts of, of random kindness, so to speak, and say we're reaching out here, we're helping this particular segment of the community, giving them a leg up to the next level. And hopefully through this philanthropic action, there will be more resources that they can spare or that they have spared to engage in other economic activities that will allow them to be even more sustainable or stable going forward. So I, I feel that that the, the the discussion and and personally having been involved in some philanthropic activities i would not say it's because kenyans are stingy or mean or 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 unwilling to help they they often give and very generously what it is that they have but it's not shall i say 
institutionalized from a cultural perspective. It's not something that we do with the entire country um, uh, at heart. It's 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 usually this is our village. We need to build a church or we need to build a primary school or this hospital uh, requires an X-ray department and we want to help fundraise or we want to bring a couple of doctors. We'll send doctors here and they'll spend you know the Cuban doctors you're referring to, which hasn't you know I'm I'm kind of mixing uh, stories, but um, uh, bring doctors in to come and work here for X Y Z number of months, work with the local um, health service providers, etc., etc. So it's it's very local, but I'm not quite sure. I don't know how to answer that question. But I'm we, not quite sure why it hasn't extended. But we, but there was Kenyans for those Kenyans for Kenyans at those, some point. Yes, right. And the, there the, was, the, there and, was, and they're Kenyans now for the the, the, the drought in um, northern eh, Kenya. Well, with, but with I'm often saying, ignominious I'm, uh, results. When Zangu, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, the idea that this is the continent of community living you know we've all read our you know sort of chinua chebe things fall apart uh, the white man came uh, and uh, awful things happened because he completely disrupted this thing of working for one another have we got to where we are as an elite and i include myself let me uh, by adopting the awful white man's ways no, we haven't. We've we've lost our path. We're we're too busy watching. I don't know. I think when you think of Okonkwo, which was my set book in high school, so I'm mm. I'm likely dating right. <laughs> dating myself you right hit, now. You could hit us with a quote. <laughs> there are lots of the, them in there. The, the lizard yes. <laughs> that jumped from the high rope. But we say that if no one will praise me. I shall praise myself, something like that. Exactly. And um, and uh, so I think you know we 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 left the Okonkwo world, maybe not the values of community, and we straddle this Western ideal of me, myself, and I. Mm. And so that's why I mentioned earlier the private solutions to public problems. So instead of approaching uh, the lack of adequate uh, um, uh, numbers of schools in a particular neighborhood, we look for another zip code where we can send our kids. You know, on the outskirts of the city where, you know, you're paying stupid shillings to, to, to send your kids there every term and you say, I have arrived. As opposed to saying from a communal and a community perspective, what happened to our local primary schools and how can we revive them? How can we demand a high level of accountability for, from, for example, the Ministry of Education? Because when I was growing up, it was the whole space of, you know, you had in Nairobi, for example, Western Division, Sidri, which division? And you had an entire infrastructure around that public school space and we're engaged in debate we had uh, quizzes we had all kinds of things they're not there instead we take our kids to private schools so private solutions to public problems and the lumpen proletariat is left to do whatever he or she will with their kids and you know and and, and the gap between the rich and the poor the elite and the non-elite continues to grow and that is for me a recipe for massive class clash at some point because eventually again the center Finish Can, that. Cannot hold. Exactly. Oh gosh, I'm, but that's not that's not necessarily um, good old Achebe. He was quoting something. No, I was quoting quote. someone else. You know, I, no, I, no. I read more than Chino Achebe. <laughs> I uh, let's go back to again. We're looking at this in it, we're, we're in my sort of village scenario. Uh, the richest person on the block now has become the MCA, the MCA who came from within. I think there was a one of our local. Uh, dailies ran uh, a supplement one day going throughout the various counties and so like, this is the building owned by the MCA for so and so 
So let's put it down to the, 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 we have been, we've analyzed a disconnect from the very top tier. And at the bottom level, even the person who was born in the village is undermining his fellow citizen. So by the time we've finished this, we're going to look for solutions. It seems that everything is lamentable, everything is dire. We have a complete leadership vacuum. Last I spoke to you, you weren't going to bother to become uh, president because it was too much like hard work. And What? Okay. Come on. Well, I was just trying to sort of goad Come you. Come on now. I was trying to goad, goad you. Goad me you have. Goad you into combat. But let's go to the MCA, the person on the ground who's ditched his fellow people. MCAs are from within. They're Mashinani people, constitutionally. Well, Kikulacho Kingoni. Mwako. So you see. But, you know, I think uh, greed, uh, avarice is mm. not class specific. Oh. I think it is values. If you, For me, it's about your values. And it doesn't matter where you grew up and but, how you but grew you're, up. But you're taking words out of my mouth. Oh. That's my intro that I gave you. We're discussing values. So we haven't found them. We haven't found a way to inculcate them. And maybe we have mm. so many 10 minutes in which you, we might. How do you... How do you change a national mindset? The analysis of what's wrong has been uh, wonderful, profound, deep, nothing to argue with. Now, the dread word, solutions. Well, from a values perspective, do you, I will ask you, do you know the difference between right and wrong? It's rhetorical, mm-hmm. but also also direct. Mm-hmm. And I'll answer, I'll say, yes, I know the difference between right and wrong. And for me, that is the... the, the, the the linchpin of, of values, what is right and what is wrong. And I think as a society, we're so much in the gray spaces that we we are elastic when it comes to what is right and what is wrong. Is it right to uh, engage in conflict of interest? Is it right to receive uh, kickbacks? Is it right to eat because somebody else is eating and your higher-ups are eating and everyone is eating, so therefore we must all eat? So the values, the solution is is not so much uh, moralistic, hyper-religious, you know, let us, let us create a, a a moral society, but more comes back to the still of my heart in the quiet of my room, what is right and what is wrong? And am I willing to stand up and be counted in that regard? And that is very micro, but I've always believed that I go from the intimate to the global. If I cannot get right what's happening in my heart, in my head, as a middle-class Kenyan, as an educated Kenyan, as somebody who would be called uh, elite, but maybe not by virtue of my money, but more virtue of, of my education and exactly. access to education. Yes. You know, where what happened to my values? And to what extent am I willing to stand up and be counted? And this is a question I ask myself, probably not often enough. And if I answer that question, then the solutions begin to spring from those answers. Because is it about offering myself uh, for some level of public service? Mind you, we cannot all be 50 million members of parliaments and presidents and governors and MCAs and women rep and so on and so forth. But am I willing to stand up and be counted in wherever uh, uh, space, whatever space I inhabit, at work, um, in, 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 my, in my chamai, in my estate uh, committee, am I willing to stand up and be counted and do the right thing? If somebody is offering to rig our steamer, for example, because we are tired of the exorbitant electricity, fraudulent bills that we receive, am I, am I going to say, yeah, let's go ahead and rig it and let's bypass the system because in any case they're all a bunch of thieves or do I say no matter what we keep paying 
until such a time that we have agitated and lobbied and built enough of a groundswell to say enough is enough. So it's, it's those regular questions. Do I bribe a cop or not? Do I cut the queue or not? Do I overlap? Do I turn on my siren? as a big shot in this country and, and drive down the, 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 wrong, the wrong side of the highway because I am so very important and I have to get somewhere on time. These are the things. These are the little, this, this is the little rot. You know the way they say one, one apple can rot an entire, or one potato can rot an entire gunia. Mm. This is what we're grappling with, I feel, as Kenyans. And the minute we begin to start asking and answering those questions individually and creating a critical mass of those who are willing to do the right thing. Wherever you're supposed to fall, whether it's in public service or stay in your private sector spaces or as an entrepreneur or whatever it is, we will be doing the right thing. Another image for you to sort of um, look at. We have a rally. and We're thinking about our, our educated, our have a rally somewhere in Moranga and, and everybody's buzzing around in the various sort of alliances that have been formed and uh, we all know people have probably paid for a certain amount of money for people to attend the rally so that the pictures look good in the front page of the paper. Do our segment of society, the enlightened, educated, we don't bother to go to those rallies. So how are we to hear the messages of our leaders to be? Because I'm pretty sure you're not dancing a jig with a bumblebee in Moranga when the future president comes by. However, I have run from cops and been tear gassed. So I have <laughs> played my part in terms of participating in, in, in uh, public manifestation mm-hmm. and, uh, and that type of thing. But I, I do believe that that is where the problem lies. We have believed... But I'm suggesting more to go and to, hear the electoral message. But uh, this to is... To be there as part of the, you know, we want... Most you know, of the elites You say, with your... Uh, wheelbarrow or your spanner, whatever else is going to get you to the promised land. Many of the elites say, look, we have bundles, we have data, we have whatever, we shall watch it. We'll watch snippets. And uh, we are not, we cannot be bothered to to take time out of our day to go and join the Wanainchi. I remember I attended uh, um, His Excellency, the late President Mwaiki Baki's funeral. And I, I, I marveled just, you know, as a side note, I said, how many people thronged um, Nyayo Stadium and were there? And I thought, how many of those in the in the stands, the Wanainchi, actually were the intelligentsia or the elite? Those ones were watching on their phones at home, if at all. Some are even saying, I saw some joke on social media, ah, Bax, Bax is gone. Nobody, so, some, well, that's not exactly true, but for the first few days, it, it escapes because I think the intelligentsia has created such a firewall around itself, the elite, such a firewall that presidents can come, presidents can go, rallies can be held, elections can come and go, but we remain unchanged. We are like that proverbial, I don't know what, a rock of Gibraltar, whatever, which is not proverbial, it's literal, it's there. Mm. We will never change because nothing changes. We are, we are just there, we don't care. We'll just live through each dispensation and we couldn't be bothered to hear about manifestos, policies, because in any case, talk is cheap. In any case, these are all a bunch of liars. And at the end of the day, they will come, we'll vote for them, we will celebrate. And then it's business as usual for the next five years or 10 years. So whether it's Wilburrows, whether it's 6,000 to, to, to unemployed young people or whatever it is that people are presenting as their position, I think that the elite just says, oh, this is just talk. We couldn't be bothered. Let the lump in go and, and enjoy. And that's why we remain ignorant. We remain ignorant. 
And by the way, sorry, as as an aside, I, whenever I watch um, stuff on telly and I see, you know, Wakenya being asked, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? My goodness, those guys on the street, the so-called non-elite, are so much more politically, socially, and economically literate than the elite. And that's a big shame on the elite as well. A big, fat shame on the elite because the average person who the elite might assume is ignorant, is impoverished, is desperate, is this, knows far more about what's happening in this country than the elite. So that's where the elite has also dropped the ball because to whom much is given, much is expected. And we are failing desperately, terribly, dismally. We are performing so badly. It's not just an E or an F. It's an unclassified grade in terms of how we're doing um, when it comes to understanding what's happening in the country. When you talk about debt, when you talk about corruption, when you talk about um, social services, when you talk about whatever, nobody knows what's going on. We're just busy planning our next trip to Dubai or to the coast or wherever and talking about who flew this way or the latest vehicle that somebody was to buy and you've not stopped to ask yourself what it means to be a Kenyan to whom much was given or to whom much has been given. Seven nineteen, not that long to go. I hope you're still with us in our conversation. Um, I want to go back. I know this is the time when you do the reveal, but I want to go back and say, uh, in most countries in the world, I think you're you're being mean on us. I think the average individual does just want to, you know, go about their business and live from day to day, not be so aware of you know how many arms are being sent to Ukraine or what it's doing to the American economy to give a budget of 40 billion. Um, why, you said we've got, you said we're unclassified in our grade for lack of knowledge. You know, if we're in a little town somewhere in Wisconsin, no offense to the people of Wisconsin or the state of Wisconsin, where by and large, and maybe the states is not a good uh, example to use, where democracy has worked or is working a semblance of it in a in a fairly functional way you can afford a level of shall i say uh, unawareness when it comes to certain things i think as kenya kenya and the Kenyans, stakes are higher the stakes are higher we don't have that luxury you know if somebody says oh fuel is high because of ukraine it behooves you to understand what is this ukraine that people are talking about because forever ukraine will be blamed for everything so yes i am a bit harsh and i'm harsh on myself as well and i also know in in our one hour together it's not enough time to be as nuanced as as we need to be and uh, maybe i've been a bit uh, tongue-in-cheek and a bit you know uh, sometimes you have to exaggerate to 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 make a, to 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 put a point across, but I I still think that we have to be exceptionally and exceedingly um, hard on ourselves when it comes to understanding what's happening because the stakes are extremely high for us in this great nation. This is the time in the program when you tell us your name. Now, as an index of your indication, I'll give you two choices. You can begin 
my names are or my name is. You choose. <laughs> well, you know, I will not use my names are, but because you expect me not to use my names are, I will say my names are. And uh, I'm, I'm imagining myself curtsying as well. My name is Cherotich Sei. Cherotich. And what, what revelation, self-revelation, this is always the old sort of reveal what you will reveal. Um, yes. Uh, tell us a bit more about yourself. Well, I'm a Kenyan. Yes. I'm a mom. Yes. I run a little business. I, um, I'm an active citizen. And I am, I suppose... I, I, I take you up on that. Yes, yes, uh, yes. This is another Kenyan thing. You could be... A, now, this is the, 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 the intellectual snobbery here. Like some Kenyans would say you're part of the elite. Some people <laughs> say you're part of the elite. So I'll say you're part of the elite. Now, you're telling me that you're running a little business, but you're an active citizen. Uh, and you, when we, when we were having our preamble discussions, you said, um, whatever you do, uh, call me an active citizen as opposed to an activist. So on air, would you be so kind as to make the fine distinction between being an active citizen and an activist and why you're one and not the other? Well, just to make it a little bit more uh, confusing, as an active citizen, I am activist in what I do. I suppose why I distinguish between being an activist and an active citizen is there's a lot that has been said over the years about activists. Activists are those ones of mandamano, they're paid by NGOs, they're members of some civil society organization, and it's part of their key performance indicators to engage in certain actions of, of, um, of, of activists activism. And as an active citizen, what I'm saying is as a middle class Kenyan who has um, every opportunity to kind of keep her head in the sand and uh, try and do my best and keep my kids in private school and try to pay my mortgage and try to stay out of trouble and so on and so forth. I said, I'm unhappy with some of the things that I see going wrong in this country. And for that reason, I have decided to actively come out and speak up and out against these things that irk me and irk many others indeed. So so in the process, I realize there's a lot of conflation. Oh, that activist, go back to your donors who are paying you. I bet you're being paid to appear on this show or that show. I'm like, no, I'm 100% unpaid to do my active citizenship work. I am paid through the sweat of my brow and the work that I do on a daily basis to earn a living. But my active citizenship is my act of service. It is additional work that is unpaid. It's a labor of love to say, I want to be part of what is put right in this country. I do not want to forever complain about, for example, the high cost of steamer. That's why I run the Switch Off KPLC uh, campaign or why I was part of the Linda, I am part of the Linda Katiba movement and saying you will not mutilate our constitution willy-nilly. Coming out and saying wherever it is I can make a difference, I will do my best to make that difference. That's why I'm an active citizen. But as an active citizen, like I said, I'm activist. I am activist. I tell people I'm much nicer in real life when they meet me. I'm often very cali on radio or television but but the reality is when you're fed up and annoyed about what's going wrong in the country it behooves one to speak up and that's what i've tried to do in my own little way as a kenyan as a mom as, as somebody who is just trying to make the space a better space for my children and the children who come after them you know the one-on-one on interviewing that um, you'll tell the young people is that i've been listening you've got to listen carefully and find out oh my goodness what shall i say next I picked up in all that, I take my kids to private school. 
So again, the idea of the the, the haves and the have-nots. You're are you like the um, uh, the Labour MP who takes his or her kids to Eton? Well, I, I suppose, and if we're being honest, you know, it's the drinking, you know, preaching water and drinking a whole load of wine. I do, I do admit that my kids do attend private school, and I have asked myself, well, maybe not, not the most expensive private school in right. the country, but, but still a private school nonetheless, and they're not part of the Kenyan education system, which makes me say, what happened? I, I went to school. I, I was part of the Kenyan education system, and I so, turned uh, out uh, all right. In self-reveal. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about your um, academic parcours? I know you speak a bit of French as a result. Where did you go to school? Well, I went to school. Uh, well, I went, my dad was in the army, so I went to school in many places all over the country, from Nairobi Primary, Hospital Hill, Hill School, Aga Khan. And then in high school, I was in Sacho High School, Kidogo. And then I finished off at Loreto Convent, Songari. And then I went to university in the U.S. and then moved back to Kenya like 25 years ago And uh, when I was done with school. So so I can say that um, uh, my parents... Since had, then, since the, then the, the, mm-hmm. the, the system that gave you this education and Has, this polish... You're telling us in so many words it's completely crumbled. You no longer have faith in it because you could have done some research and found a really good public school, if that's the word, public meaning not not in the British sense. I, I completely agree. And that's why, you know, I have to cop a mea culpa when it comes to issues of, of complaining about, you know, if I'm ill today, I would much rather be rushed to Nairobi Hospital or Aga Khan or wherever than Kenyatta. Why not Kenyatta? Mm. You know, so these are the questions, the hard questions we have to ask ourselves. Did Kenyatta become so uh, destroyed and we allowed that to happen that now our only solution is that private one and we all know we are half a paycheck away from poverty if one of our family members fall ill. So I ask myself that question. How did my kids end up in private school? How have I spent how many plots could I have bought my friend with the money that I've spent on private school education for my children? And when are we going to say enough is enough? We want to we want to recover our public schools. When I was part, I was in the Westlands Division when I was in primary school. You know, we used to have junior quiz. We used to have schools debate. But now 844 has even well, I was in standard five when we switched to eight four four, and then eight four four run. It's 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 you know its whole range of actions, and now we're in CBC, and still you have kids crowded in schools, teachers not facilitated enough, and the elite are saying, look, let's take our kids, let's 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 even build more private schools because we need to sequester and seclude and uh, insulate our children from the horrors of public schooling in Kenya. We need to change that. And we're guilty as parents, each and every one of us, myself included, who sent the kids to private school for not asking critical questions around why it is that our public schools are not working. It looks like it was a show on education, but that was just an example of of private solutions uh, to public problems. You have read my mind because in the weeks to come, we must address issues such as education, health, taxation, business, anything. I mean, you know, we're talking to the one, ain't you? Uh, but I'll give you maybe um, two minutes to tell us uh, to see the future. Because, again, your future is our future. Can we um, wait upon you to lead us in 2027? <laughs> I've added five. Hey, you know, I always tell people, so... There's my cop-out immediately. Mm. I don't know how to ask for votes. I don't know how to campaign. I don't know how to be out there and say... So, and, so, and what, so what will you be doing? Because you, you, you want to up the tempo in terms of being an active citizen. Have you 
have you done as much as you'll ever do in this life? No, no, no. Where, where does it, where does it, where does the path lead now? There's a lot to be done, and it was a bit tongue in cheek. And, and I find and I find it uh, somewhat interesting. Are you getting people to 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 come around a kind of grouping to for others to be what they call the like-minded people? Uh, you have a minute. Well. Um, Yes, that's mm. what I'm doing yeah. as an active citizen yeah. with energy justice campaigns, with the protection of the Constitution. I am hopefully part of building a community of like-minded people who say, this is how we shall offer ourselves in service. We're going to fight for energy justice. We're going to fight to protect the environment, etc." So, you know, I, I, was, I was joking a little bit, but yes, if I was called to public service, I, I would not say no, because it's like uh, preaching that famous water and, and drinking wine. We have to allow ourselves, and public service, by the way, does not mean you're running for uh, MCA, but it could be that maybe I should in 2027 go for my MCA uh, position and say, let's change our community one neighborhood at a time. So I don't know. We, it's, a, it's a question of, of Kenyans saying I'm willing and I'm ready to be of service and to be available to all Kenyans from all walks of life. Uh, politics and politicians notwithstanding, August the 9th notwithstanding, we have to stay active, we have to stay engaged, and we have to play our, our part. Thank you. Do continue to give us feedback, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at capital FM Kenya. Or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. You've been listening to John Sibiokumu on Wednesday. Till next time.